When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, Arsenal fans, and uh, welcome to a an Alexis Sanchez and Bayern Munich uh, Arsenal fo- Arsenal Football London Forty Nine undefeated podcast. Um, Charlie's still away, still away. Um, he will be back for the Lincoln game on Saturday um, from his wild antics in Marrakesh. In his absence, we have Andy Ha, who's obviously become a regular. So, good afternoon, Andy. Hey, Tom, you're right. I think so. Um, I'm not sure ahead of this game. To be honest with you, I don't know how to don't know how to feel. To be honest, and uh, we've also got uh, Mr. Kevin Byrne, who joins us again this week in Charlie's absence. So good afternoon, Kev. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, we'll start and probably end fairly swiftly on the Liverpool game. Um, it was I'll, bad. I didn't y- like us. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty succinct way of summing up exactly how we all feel, Kev. Um, it was it was dreadful, but yet entirely predictable, Andy. Really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, what are our predictions again? What did we what did we all go for? I think I went for a draw. I think you said three two. I said three two. I think I went. I might have gone with a draw. I might have been optimistic. Right. And so Kev, so Kev came the closest. You got the four goals right. The four goals right. Yeah, I knew there'd be goals in it because I said to you last week. I said, you know, they're a side that we could, you know can be got at. Um, just unfortunately, they got at us in the other end as well. So. Um, no, it, the first half performance was pr- probably one of the worst I've seen this season. It wasn't there. Um, I think Sanchez being left on the bench sent out the wrong message from the beginning. Well, we'll come on to we'll that. Come in, on to that, in but some detail. Well, but as soon as he came on the second half, he gave us that little spark that we just basically completely lacked in the first. Um, and yeah, I think Liverpool just deserved to win. There's nothing more we can say about it, really. Do you think with Alexis, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, we now have a bit of an understanding, despite Wenger's protestations. I was at Anfield on Saturday. You were at the press conference yesterday in my yeah. absence. Um, how was Arsene Wenger when he was asked about the Alexis Sanchez questions? What were it, what, what kind of attitude did he adopt? What kind of mood was he in yesterday? Uh, it was a weird one. It was a very weird press conference because uh, it was Champions League so he's with the player so it's Pere Mertesacker beside him and there was a lot of questions directed towards Mertesacker which Wenger decided to answer himself there was one that was specifically asked to Mertesacker about Wenger's future that before Pere could even get a word in Wenger jumped in and said it's not down to the players which is very clear pointed um, yeah he denied that there was any disagreement whatsoever between him and Sanchez which is you know, I think he said uh, that we have a very open and honest relationship, uh, which was a weird thing to say immediately after telling a blatant lie. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Sanchez is clearly unhappy with the situation. I don't think you could possibly argue that he dropped him for any sort of tactical reasons. I don't think. If I mean, if he did then that's an even worse indictment of him. Well, one of the one of the things that he said post-match, and it was 
we we did something after the game on it on Saturday. He he, he really wasn't happy with one reporter mm. in the press conference taking issue with the the fact that um, Wenger obviously said we we rested him because we felt that going direct against Liverpool was something that um, could unsettle them. That they they've struggled from crosses, high mm. balls, set pieces. Um, that's the, an inter- interesting thing to say after not doing any of that. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but to me and and the reporter who put the question to Wenger, like I I didn't see enough evidence of that tactic to suggest that that was like the complete that you know that was the game plan. There were a lot of short passes, and ironically, it was a Liverpool long goal kick which led to Liverpool's opener. Xhaka and Coquelin completely missed the ball. And then you end up with Mane with too much space on the on the on the right hand side, and then next thing you know, it's it's in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, like you say, even if he did mean to to go with that long ball tactic to sort of evade the the press, so to speak, then there, there's no, we didn't see any evidence of that in the first half at all, did we? Um, you know, like you said, there might have been a bit of logic to actually why he did it, and, but it was a pretty predictable answer. You know, why why he said that he wasn't just going to go and no, yeah, I'll drop Sanchez because he's obviously been involved in the trading around bus tab or whatever but yeah you know as soon as he came on we, we were just a much better team and it's just one of those things we think even if he has just dropped him you know in a show of power sort of manager power then was it the right thing to do I don't know what do you think Kev because there's, there's been a lot <laughs> obviously there's naturally been a lot of debate about this because I, I know which side of the fence I'm on in that I think Alexis is a winner. He's a, he's a he's a player that's looking around him at his teammates and thinking who who on earth in this team have I got really who can help me out here? And I I, I think he's right to bemoan the lack of. I I know that it's not particularly good for squad harmony, but like we're facing up to a pretty real prospect here that he might leave in the summer and leave behind. I'm I'm afraid I'm afraid. Arsenal fans might not want to hear this, but a very average group of players. There are only a handful of players there. Probably you're looking at Koscielny, Welbeck, Bellerin, Kazola when he returns from injury, but he's you know wrong side of thirty now. Yeah, Özil. Özil. Uh, like, yeah, I, I I don't really agree that it was a, that there's any debate to be had even about whether or not it was right to drop Sanchez. It was the wrong decision completely. I understand that Wenger wants to assert his authority and say, I'm the boss, but to be honest with you, he hasn't been acting like it for a while now. And it's really painful and sad to see. It's, you know, it's like when your dog gets to the age of like 15 and you love it, but it's moving slowly and you can tell it's in pain. Like, Wenger's been on the way out for a long time and that's not a secret. Are you suggesting we put him down? <laughs> put, him, put him ahead of his misery because oh. I don't think being an Arsenal manager is making him happy anymore. No, he just doesn't know any other way to live, and that's you know he's sixty-seven. It's a terrifying prospect for him to not be Arsenal manager anymore. He's been Arsenal manager for, for two decades now. I the only thing I've ever done for more than two decades is live. Like I have no <laughs> other track record of anything else being that long. Like, no association to anything. No, no, I. Like it's 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 nuts. Like he's really he's from a different generation of managers. Yeah, Absolutely. It's his and, life, isn't it? Yeah, but like there's there's the theory that top managers, even like the best managers in the world, can only get through their players for three years maximum. And then after that they're done. They 
they just can't they get tuned out and if the player is good enough and the player understands their role well enough they'll keep going but in a team like Arsenal where everything's changing all the time we're always rebuilding there's never any set structure of anything you need to be able to get through to the players constantly and Wenger just can't do that anymore he inherited a team that had a back five basically with Seaman and goals who knew exactly what they needed to do and I don't want to diminish what Wenger did when he arrived he did some great stuff he managed to you know properly challenge Man United at a time when no one else was really doing it but you know was it football's changed now isn't it it's a different game like, like when he he changed the game when he arrived and it's changed since then and he's not adopted to it Exactly. This this whole thing of managers managing clubs for more than ten years, like him and Ferguson did, I think it's just gone now, but isn't it? Even even Guardiola says that he can't do it for more than three. Well, years. Well, that's exactly the example I was going to say. Like you fit, like you physically can't do it. You've like professional football managers, they sleep less. I think I saw a friend of mine, Carl Anker, was saying that they sleep less than world leaders, and it's true because there's that kind of pressure on them for something. Scrutiny, yeah, yeah, something kind of. You know, relatively frivolous, but there is that level of scrutiny, and and the pressure, obviously. and there's that pressure, and there are like very immediate, direct results for everything. You know, whereas like, I'm not saying it's easy being prime minister, <laughs> but you know, like, there's not a situation where Theresa May is going to show up to Parliament on a Wednesday, and going to be unprepared and get debated out of it by Corbyn and suddenly she's going to be in crisis like that's that doesn't happen but in football you can have one bad day and suddenly everything's falling apart but he's not helping himself is he like that that for me was the, the key thing on Saturday like I looked at the Arsenal fans I kept a constant eye on them from the Anfield press box how you know however much I could and it's just almost this kind of almost this act of resignation in the in the crowd which seemed to kind of um, transfer across to the players to the manager who got up once all game I think Klopp was on the touchline barking out orders to players and I know that's not in Wenger's you know nah, it's not his style it's, it's not his he's style never done that. it's not his style but the most passionate Arsenal fans got all evening was when he brought Danny Welbeck off which was fairly baffling I think the fact he brought Giroud off was fairly baffling mm. as well when you're only one yeah. goal behind and you're chasing if, uh, chasing a goal in, in a game where you've you've actually admitted that Liverpool suffer from crosses oh. set pieces I thought, I thought and, that was and the, strange and the way Giroud this season has got the majority of his goals late in games because he's come on as a substitute mm. but he seems to do well when teams are worn down mm. Seems to be the way, the way to utilise Giroud properly is to use him for the last twenty minutes. Yeah, he's I a mean, cl- he's a closer. Yeah, I mean Welbeck, I get it. if he was tired because it was his first start for for Dublin. Yeah, but, um, true, and I can understand that. But it spoke volumes, I think, yeah. that the, yeah. probably the only the, the, even the Welbeck goal. I think there was a sense of and Welbeck didn't even properly celebrate the goal. He, he was well, like, on it, yeah. which obviously is com- in complete contrast to Giroud for, at Bournemouth <laughs> earlier this year, but. It it just felt like from the fans to the players to the manager, it just all felt very resignatory to me. Well, it's, it's just we said it before last week. It's just followed the pattern of every other big game that Arsenal played this season, really, isn't it? 
there's uh, there's no real expectation that we'll get anything anymore. It's more in hope. So anything we get nowadays is a bonus at <laughs> these big rounds. No, I'd say there's not even hope anymore. Well, there's not even hope. Like two <laughs> two three years ago, you come to these games and go, maybe we can nick it. But you, you just you turn on the TV or you go to the game now, and you know what's happening. Yeah. Like I was watching Saturday, and it was the first time in maybe ever as an Arsenal fan watching the match and I before it even kicked off I just said to myself I do not want to watch this match and if I wasn't working covering it I probably would have just gone out and lived my life like a normal human being for 90 minutes well I think that's where most Arsenal fans are right now isn't it it's just that bored boredom of the same same thing happening again and again and again and um, I, I think we're all unanimous around the desk in that not necessarily drastic action but there has to be a plan in place now. And no, I, I think there needs to be drastic action. I think there needs to be something that you can't shake. You can't just like ease yourself out of a slump. You have to shake yourself out of one. And Arsenal have been in the slump for a very long time. And you know, when Wenger signed that new contract two years ago, the assumption was going to be was that that was going to be his last contract. In in those two years, what have Arsenal done to help the succession to the next manager? Nothing. Nothing that I can see anyway. There's no, you know, they've not brought on any sort of young assistants who's maybe going to groom and teach the ropes a bit. Carlos Quiros to Fergie or Mike Phelan to Fergie at United, for instance. Yeah, like, it's just... That would have been fun, yeah. <laughs> Phelan taking over. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, they at least seem to have some sort of a plan and, you know, kind of went tits up when Fergie decided, I'm just going to appoint someone who grew up near where I grew up. Yeah. Um, but like it's just the the managers that, that they're talking about now like Allegri or Tuchel like they're very different it and doesn't feel like there's necessarily that plan in place like a, a defined contender that they want no and like you look at a club like Southampton who are a much smaller club who are much smaller resources but what they have is a very clear desire of how they want to play and what kind of manager they want which is how they went from Mauricio Pochettino at a time as well when they got rid of Atkins people weren't happy about it they brought in Pochettino did a great job they brought in Komen he did a great job there as well and now they have uh, Puel who's done a good job because they know what they want they scout these managers constantly as if they're players and are just saying to themselves right, we could lose our manager at any given moment he could get a better offer or we might need to sack him and we need to know who we want afterwards and Arsenal just aren't looking like that. But it's obviously having such a huge impact on like this uncertainty around Wenger's future. There's got to be some clarity at some point because right now you look at it and think supposedly Arsenal are, are talking to intermediaries for different players, looking to try and you know strike an early summer deal. They're obviously going to turn around and say, well, hang on a minute, given the uncertainty that there is around Arsene Wenger's future I want to know who's going to be my manager next season and that, and that boils down to Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez's contracts as well obviously the Sanchez stuff this week it, it doesn't look particularly great in terms of his future at the club and it looks like regardless of if it's Wenger or not his decision's already made up but yeah. like the longer this goes on the more problematic it becomes for Arsenal surely yeah massive I mean I can't remember a period of uncertainty like this for a long time I, since you know, people like Van Persie, Nazri, Fabrias all sort of left. 
I thought I think everyone around the club thought you know those days are gone now. We're, we're never gonna we're never gonna lose our best players in the summer like the in the fashion that we have done previously. But like I say with, with the Sanchez and Ozil contract standoff, if you like, it's just and with the manager not knowing whether he's gonna stay or not. There is just absolutely no direction for the other club at the moment. They like say it's going to be hard to sign players. It's hard to renew these our best two players' contracts because they don't know where the manager's staying or whatever. And I think Sanchez clearly wants off anyway. But where do we go from here? <laughs> I'm just going to put a question out there, just because I'm intrigued. Yeah. If you had to pick, because I know this this is one that a lot of Arsenal fans talk about on social media. If you had to pick between Meza Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, who would you go for? Who would I rather stay? Yeah. Sanchez would better do it. I wouldn't think twice about it. Andy? Yeah, I think just goals and assists he's provided this season. Sanchez. My, my worry as well with that is I think if Ozil stays, I, I, where's the player that brings the best out of him? Whereas with Sanchez, you see that when the, when the two of them are really at their peak, they, they're playing together, Ozil... It has has more space to work in. Yeah, maybe, but defenders, or maybe he needs a different manager who can bring the best out of him. Do you know what I mean? But, but my my issue with Ozil and the reason that I would pick Sanchez in a heartbeat over him is just Sanchez doesn't go missing. He's always trying. Involved. He's always involved in some way, and I know that Ozil's game is different to that. And part of why he's great is that he occupies these bizarre spaces that seem like they make no sense until they suddenly do. But too many times he's just so ineffective in big games. And anonymous. Yeah, and it's it's it seems like just a perfect metaphor for Arsenal as a club at the moment. He can score a hat trick against Ludogorets and show incredible composure on that third goal, which is one of my favourite goals I've seen in the last few years. And then he just can't string two passes together against the bigger side it's just a, a massive and it comes up again and again with Arsenal these mental failings of this mental fragility too many flat track bullies in that team I don't know if it's flat track bullies just they have the talent they just they lack the leadership and you look back at the team in the early Wenger era and you hear the old players talk about it all the time Ian Wright says that Arsenal Wenger was the first manager he ever had who after a game came up to him put his arm around him and said that was bloody fantastic Ian you were brilliant today and Bryce said that's exactly what I needed at that point in my career and it was brilliant but at the same time they had when things were going wrong you had things like uh, Arsenal drawing 1-0 with Man United a few years back when in the 93rd minute or something Laren missed a shot he could have said, could have offloaded to Henri, who was alone in the box, shot himself, went wide, one all draw, and the two of them ended up having a scrap in the tunnel afterwards, because you had players like Henri and Vieira and Adam Zikion, who, when things weren't going right, were they stuck people out. Yeah, they 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 you know they did the Roy Keane thing of came, coming up to them and saying you're not good enough, and that's just not happening in Arsenal at the moment. That hasn't happened for about 10 years. Do you think with Alexis, obviously things are going plain sailingly at Chelsea and it was probably less of a man management task for Conte to, to get Diego Costa back 
backfiring after all the January rumours about China and stuff. Do you think this is one of Wenger's biggest tests of his managerial reign? Because without Sanchez in that team, as Saturday proved, I mean, he came on for 45 minutes and you could, you could, the fear in Liverpool's defence, it to me, was palpable. Nathaniel Klein barely got over the halfway line. He, d- he didn't look like he really wanted to receive the ball off the centre half because he knew mm. Alexis was going to be on him. Wenger, I mean, starting tonight, we'll come on to the buying game shortly. But does does Alexis? He doesn't seem like the sort of player that's whose performance levels are going to drop as a result of this. But yeah. it's a big test of Wenger now. To given that it sounds like the writing's on the wall in terms of his future Arsenal big uh, test because he's going to be so key to that any hope of finishing in the top four huge I, I guess it's just one of those things where does he cut his own nose off to spite his face you know I think Wenger knows that Sanchez is one of our best players whether the real truth will ever come out of why he was dropped against Liverpool or not I don't know but it'll be interesting to see if he starts tonight essentially um, I don't think Wenger Wenger knows he's an intelligent man I don't think he'll leave Sanchez out of the team for too long because he'll know it's it's detrimental to the success of the club this season and, and what he's trying to achieve so you can't just leave a player of that quality out for too long and we've seen that from Sanchez when he does come on you know he doesn't there's no real fuss he just gets on the game he doesn't sulk on the pitch for a period maybe at the end of the game or whatever but you know he, he came on against Liverpool he set up, set up goals straight away I don't know it's, it's just it's, it's so frustrating the whole thing this might be, you know, it might be one of those things in the season where it's a catalyst for everyone else. And, it, and, you know, in the face of adversity, they all might pull together and maybe either to prove Enger wrong or to prove Sanchez wrong. You know? And won't anyone think of Atom and Humber, Kev? <sighs> those poor boys. What's going to happen to that banner? Well, that, yeah. I, I, well, I saw someone make a great suggestion, which was even if Sanchez leaves, we should keep, keep the banner, just airbrush Sanchez out of it. Because regardless of what's happening, I think we can all agree that they're still good boys. <laughs> they are, absolutely. Um, moving on swiftly. Um, we have to. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't particularly want to, but um, matter in hand, Bayern Munich tonight, 5-1 oh, deficit from the first leg. I think we all feel about as passionate about this game as as the thousands of people that are supposedly set to boycott the fixture tonight the, yeah. there are still lots and lots of tickets left on the ticket exchange um, so um, Arsenal fans if you're looking for a ticket you're probably in luck for tonight's game remarkably does that just sum up the attitude of supporters right now not towards just Arsene Wenger but towards the, the club in general just the fact that more people will care about the match against Lincoln on Saturday rather than Bayern Munich in the Champions League it just says it says it all really doesn't it I think that's exactly where Arsenal are as a club right now the fact that you know all three of us I don't think there's there's never been s- such a, a lack of enthusiasm for a massive knockout Champions League tie and the fact that the second leg's at home as well which is you know not happened for years and years but what happened in the first leg and, and, and the rest of the season I think tonight's just become a bit of a sort of we don't want to come out of it looking even worse than we were before it's just one of those pride restoration jobs isn't it and um, hopefully they do that and just get, get themselves back in track a bit well, you know when you're you're in a relationship with someone and you're fighting constantly and you're like at each other's throats there's still like that bit of passion that you have but you know you know your relationship is absolutely doomed when you just stop caring that, yeah. that's what kills it mm-hmm. at least when you're going at at each other 
there's still something there it's when you're resignated and you say I don't care anymore that's when it dies and that's what it feels like at Arsenal at the moment do you think I mean this this will be the seventh season barring an absolute miracle tonight and I've already put my bet on Arsenal to win 3-0 down just just so everyone knows that <laughs> or 4-1 <coughs> or 4-1 the late or, the late buying goal or 6-2 or uh, what, it's, however it's, you however it's you 3-1 in my match report that I've already written <laughs> and, and published on the website Sarah Ryan which by the way I wrote one before the I wrote one before the first leg as well in which I predicted a 4-1 so I was a bit generous to Arsenal <laughs> I predicted that Mustafi would get injured not Kashani and I pre- predicted that Sanchez would score the only goal for Arsenal so. frighteningly accurate parallels I um, have approximate knowledge of many things <laughs> Um, do, you, do, you, do you make any case for Arsenal tonight now that the pressure's off a little bit almost like they're, they're playing it's going to almost have a testimonial feel about it surely Maybe. I mean yeah. by an R still bringing a strong yeah. squad with them it, that, that should be said but there's always that thing where it was like the AC Milan game years ago Bayern will switch off slightly That's, there's no doubt about it in their mind the tie's done if Arsenal get a few early goals you never know but the, I the, matter, the fact of the matter is Bayern are a much better team than the AC Milan team that we that we beat I, 3-0 years ago but you know we get an early, I, want, I, I want to see the team sheet I think that'll be the most in, important thing yeah. um, what sort of side he'll put out let's just say Lincoln is now the bigger game so will he rest people for the Lincoln well, well, well I was going to say I, something on that AC Milan thing and the Bayern Munich away goals defeat that, that's always really bugged me is the glorious failure that it's but but in itself the when, fact that the players consider when the pressure's off the the fact that they consider a, a narrow defeat an instigator to go on a good run does that not in itself say a lot about these Arsenal players that that yes they won two 0 in Bayern yes they won two 0 in Monaco <clears throat> excuse me etc um, etc et but it's a defeat like. Paint it, paint it how you like. It's a defeat, and surely that whole concept of a, a glorious failure, glorious defeat, surely using that as an instigator to then go on a winning run in itself is is very just kind of accepting second best, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 baffling. It's yeah, it's it's very upsetting. And I, I was I was at the I was at the press conference yesterday for Bayern Munich as well and Ancelotti said that they're going to respect Arsenal they're going to pick a strong team which to be honest first of all they have the depth to not do that yeah. um, they have some really brilliant players who can't get into that team so if I was Ancelotti I'd be giving Thomas Muller a run from the start because he's such a good player and he'll want to play himself back into the team and like Andy said the starting players might switch off a little bit is there but, something to be said from that though in that they're they're so relentless as a team that they are just playing the playing the first team for each and every game is, is surely only going to help with continuity and and you know something Arsenal can potentially learn from in some respects yeah um, yeah I don't know maybe uh, it helps that they know what their strongest 11 is oh I've said this to you and Charlie a few weeks ago said, absolutely then it doesn't n- know what his strongest midfield and attack is now that Pizzola's out. He thinks he knows. Well, <laughs> yeah. but, but then, as fans, we don't know. Like, if, if we assess the lineup tonight, I mean, I, I, I was 
particularly harsh on well not no I wasn't harsh I was particularly I, I'm gonna blow my own trumpet here, but I was particularly accurate on Francis Coquelin and Nacho Monreal's performances I thought both were <coughs> terrible I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Iwobi yet well to be fair to him Iwobi I actually thought so what? he was he was poor yeah. but he was probably one of our better players actually mm. I thought Oxley chamberlain was probably the pick of the bunch to be honest with you Couple if, of decisions. If if he doesn't start in central midfield tonight, I mean I, the balance, the balance he gave us in that second half. That was something that got overlooked a little bit as well. I thought, like ultimately, if you break the two, if you break the game into two halves, if it, which conveniently you can do by the two halves. <laughs> absolutely. Um, <laughs> thanks for that, Kevin. Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll never live that one down. We're gonna we're gonna rename the podcast. <laughs> break into two halves a, a game of two halves yeah a game of two halves thank you for that um, one, one all in the second half and, and that goal was a breakaway from Alexis Sanchez actually missing a chance at the other end mm. like if if um, um, I think it was Matty might have got his body in the way if he doesn't it's two all and I'm not excusing that for a performance but it was almost a fine margin in the end with that and I thought in the second half Arsenal did actually didn't play well by any stretch of the imagination, but Oxlade Chamberlain going into the centre of midfield actually improved the, the team. I, I really want tenfold. to see I really want to see him start tonight with Shaka and Ramsey in centre midfield. Yeah. Just to see just give us Take a little, it to him. Yeah. I, I think that'll be the best form of attack. Playing I, those three in the middle. I have no interest in watching another game with Francis Carcalan <laughs> alongside Granit Xhaka. Oh, they are too similar and not the good way. I think as soon as I saw those two in the team sheet on Saturday, it was pretty much. I don't know how you can have Arsenal's consistent defensive problems over the past decade, and then go, "I'm going to shield them with Francis Coquelin and Granite Xhaka, the two most hot-headed and poor." Like it's not even a case where Xhaka and Coquelin are good tacklers who sometimes get it wrong. They're both. Dreadful at tackling. Yeah, they just don't know how to do it properly and can't build from the, like Xhaka. I, I don't know what it offers. I don't know what it they offer. Amazed me at how bad his passing was. Like this is a oh, player. This is a player that you want to be able to play through the lines, get Arsenal moving from back to front. Okay, he's not a Santi Cazorla type player, but you you look at him and you think, well, actually, you're offering us no defensive protection whatsoever. Francis Coquelin is, is supposedly the defensive player, but when he when he isn't offering that, it's it's fairly or unfairly reflecting badly on Jacker. And if he's not giving you the kind of intricate passing that we need in the centre midfield, and he's not getting forward and getting assists and goals, which he isn't, then oh, he had a nice little effort in the first half at Anfield, didn't he? Just just caught it too well. Yeah. Um, now you're right. I mean. Midfield's been a massive problem for, for months now. I just I don't know that Wenger has a solution to it. Well, essentially, I mean, now that Elneny probably back in a few weeks, right? Where but, what, what's our what's our first choice midfield? But, but so, sorry, even if Elneny was fish, like I don't think he would have played. But he, he's not good enough. I don't think. Not uh, for a team with the aspirations at Arsenal. No, no. And um, I like him as a swap player. But, that, but, but but I but I hate that I I hate that mentality of he's good as a squad player because this is modern football squad players are going to start 
and they're going to start open, especially at Arsenal. Yeah. So there's no yeah. such thing as a squad player. He, he can if, be our Mikel if you like, you know. <laughs> but but he can't be. He's not as talented as Mikel. He doesn't have the head on his shoulders that Mikel had. The, I the, like him. The thing for I'm me, up for the thing for me that, that that's amazed me about Arsenal over the last in in the transfer over the last few years is for years and years and years the argument levelled at Wenger and Arsenal was, oh well you're not you've got a great midfield you're you're fine in midfield you've got players like Fabregas, Nasri, Rosicky, Kazola, player going further back, who, whoever it might be between two thousand and. Um, Five and two thousand and well, well now, but the constant kind of accusation was Arsenal won't win, Arsenal aren't winning the title. You can forget about that unless you get a goalkeeper, a centre half, and a striker. So we went and got Czech. He moved Alexis into a central position, and found that when played there on a regular basis, he can score goals and set players up too. And then he brings in Mustafi, who. Okay, he has struggled for form lately, but certainly when he came in initially, looked a really good bit of business, even at thirty-five million. It's like he's forgotten about the midfield. Like, what has happened? Yeah, there used to be the situation where we would just stockpile creative central midfielders. We haven't got any creativity. Like, you look at it on paper now. No. I, I think Arsenal got the worst midfield of the top six by a distance. And it's it's funny because this is the worst possible season for Wilshire to have actually gone out on them. Incredibly, yeah. And I'm not saying that Wilshire would have fixed this. I don't think he's ever going to live up to the hype. But, but I, but I, you, you look at it at the moment, and, and I'm not saying he's been superb for Bournemouth, but he's played fairly well, and he's played regularly. Ironically, when he's when he's left Arsenal, but it, would he would he not have given us a bit of creativity? Creativity, because I look at that midfield at the moment, and unless Oxley Chamberlain is going to be in the centre, who really is going to pick a pass in in centre midfield? I do not understand using Chamberlain on the wing anymore. I just don't. It doesn't make any sense. You've got Walcott, Awobi, Lucas, uh, Sanchez, Sanchez, Welbeck, Welbeck. Like you can put any of these players out there, and they can do a job. And you have a centre midfield that's held together by you know a piece of string and some duct tape and Wenger has spent the last four years telling us that Chamberlain is going to be a midfielder he's going to be a central midfielder he uses them like twice at central midfield this season plays brilliantly and then goes alright well let's see what Cockerland can do like it's just I don't understand Wenger's thought process there was a time where everything he did, even if you didn't agree with it, you at least said, okay, I get what he's doing. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But now, he's just making decisions for the sake of just doing the same thing again, and it doesn't make any sense. I just, I don't understand why he won't give Chamberlain a run out and send him a field, because at this point... What have you got to lose? Yeah, you... Well, <laughs> there's a lot to lose, but like, Telling you. you're you're not gonna, you gotta play to win. You can't you can't play to not lose, because Arsenal, we don't have a good enough defense to play not to lose, because they just will make mistakes. The Arsenal defense will make mistakes. They always do, no matter who's in there. I like Ashani a lot. He's one of the worst for them, of just these brain farts. Yeah, and. It's always been an issue. 
So you can't play to hope that you just don't lose, especially when you want to play. You want to be in the top four in a season when everyone seems to be getting like record levels of points. We'll ju- we'll, we'll wrap up shortly because amazingly time has just completely got away from us. I just want both of you to to name the the team that you think Arsenal can reel in in the top four. Do you, are you still confident they will? I think they can reel in Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool are very good. You think? I I, I would be minded to agree with that. I, I think. And I you think look only two points ahead, even after the weekend. And Arsenal still have a game in hand. And you know, you saw how bad Liverpool were when Sanchez came on the second half. Arsenal didn't play particularly well, but they just pinned Liverpool back just by getting in their faces a bit. Yeah, look. You, teams can still get out of Liverpool like, their record against the, the big teams sort of masks just how vulnerable they are Did they are on the back because you know you've obviously seen, seen the teams they've lost against Hull, Burnley, Swansea etc so I, I, yeah I agree with you I think it's increasingly looking like if we are going to make top four it'll probably be fourth um, I, I, I think we can catch Man City as well if they go on a long Champions League run yeah. is Spurs in the Europa League? possibly as well no they're out no they're out now aren't they? Course, sorry. Um, which, which I was quite disappointed about because obviously for that exact reason. I don't know what's happened to me then. I, you just had to get oh, that big in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I, was I was just hoping that they were still in the Europa League. Yeah. I, I, was at, I was at Spurs over the weekend and uh, I saw the club motto uh, on one of the stands. Can you say it? And I found it very funny until I realised that actually just. I, I, I read it and I thought that sums up Spurs so well and then I thought about it and I said and it was when you were saying about 5-10 minutes ago about Arsenal, Arsenal players being happy with these glorious things this is the Spurs motto but honestly it applies to Arsenal right now it's better to <laughs> it is better to fail aiming high than to succeed aiming low and we of Spurs have set our sights very high so high in fact that even in failure we will have an echo of glory. Oh, I thought. I thought. Oh, they, wow. What their motto was to dare is to. To dare is to do is one. But they one have, of them. They've oh. got this other long one, but that just sums up the mentality of what's going on at Arsenal at the moment. Mm. I can't. I can't disagree with that. I. I. I will get your score lines as reluctant as I'm sure you are to, to give them, Andy. How do you see it going? Uh, any any sort of morale boosting victory at all? Another glorious failure. I think it's going to be a draw. 1-1. I think, you know, I think we'll we'll give a good account of ourselves tonight. Just because, as you said, the pressure's off and stuff. I don't think the pressure is off, though. No? I think that people keep saying that the pressure's off so much. And I don't know why. Because they could get humiliated at home. Like, really humiliated. That's a very good buying team. Do you think they will? I think that definitely could happen. I think I have to say 3-1 because that's what I said in my pre-match report <laughs> to Arsenal yeah that glorious failure well hopefully we're still 3-0 up going into the, the last stages of the game so at least give well, us a bit of hope in, in my pre-match report which you can read on football.com uh, which is published at 10am nice. today nice. Uh, I I think it's Robin and Muller combined to score a goal in the 92nd minute to make it 3-1 nice uh, after think Giroud scores the first one then Bellerin gets the second just before half time then Sanchez scores in like the 75th minute 
and then to shore up the midfield, Cockerland comes on for Chamberlain, and then that's where it all goes wrong. And on that note, because <laughs> we don't want to, any more Francis Cockerland today, I, I suspect. Um, so, I, sorry, I should have said spoilers. <laughs> I, I think to all, I think there'll be four goals again tonight. I, I can't see any way that Arsenal are going to do it. Um, I'm not even going to make the case, unfortunately. Um, but you can find out if they do with us. Um, we'll be covering the game live and we'll have plenty of breakout stories going on in and, on, in and around the game. On, in and around the game. That's what I was supposed to Who's say. Who's doing the live blogs? Um, it'll be a combination of myself and Kev with, with some post-match stuff as well. Um, so please do come and join us. Um, apologies, we have to cut off so soon. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface with Alexis, um, with with the lineup. Fans boycott. Fans, you agree? I yeah. I'm. I mean, it's it's up to them. I think it's you got to respect it. Absolutely. It's a lot of money and stuff, isn't it? So I've just seen this picture on Instagram here. Three hours before Napoli against Real Madrid. Apparently, over ten thousand fans already in the stadium. Nice, nice little contract. Nice little link there. <laughs> nice little contract. See, I, I don't think that's going to be quite the same thing. Yeah, but they've never won the Premier League, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, that's that's all we've got time for today. Unfortunately, on the uh, Arsenal FL uh, Football London Forty Nine Undefeated podcast, we'll be back with you uh, next week to discuss tonight. <laughs> regrettably, I'm sure, and the Lincoln and, City game at the and weekend. The Lincoln City win. Absolutely. Let's let's leave it on a positive Lovely. spin. So um, enjoy the game if you're there tonight. If not. Uh, enjoy all the same and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon thanks and goodbye